0: Welcome to the podcast Super Friends. Five podcast producers from across North America get together to discuss podcasting.
1: I am Johnny Podcast of the podcast Super Friends, and the five of us are here today to talk about a lot of different topics. But I think what we're going to start with is Matt so graciously came up with a really fun title What to Do Before You Get Mm -hmm. Podcast married." Married, meaning starting a podcast with a co host. Now, the five of us are producing shows of all different types, but something that we've all come across. Is some guy or gal coming across our desk saying, me and a buddy want to start a podcast? And we all collectively, our shoulders get tight and we go, yes, because that sounds awesome. It's probably going to be really fun. You guys are probably great friends. But also, we've seen these crash and burn time and time again, some more intimately than others. And we can dive into those experiences. But before we dive into discussion, we will just lead off introducing everybody.
2: Matt, please. Matt Kundal, the Sound Off Podcast Company. I'm sorry, I don't even know my own company. The Sound (laughs) Off Podcast Network, a derivative of the Sound Off Media Company (laughs) in Winnipeg, Canada. David Yaz.
3: Yes. Hello. Greetings from Boston. David Yaz, pod617.com, the Boston Podcast Network and Pod We Trust. Catherine O'Brien.
4: Oh, hello, everybody. My name is Catherine O'Brien. My company is called Branch Out Programs, and I'm talking to you here from beautiful Baton Rouge, Louisiana.
1: And last but certainly never the least, John Jaggay, Jag in Detroit.
5: John Jaggay, Jag in Detroit, as Johnny just said. Jag in Detroit podcasts uh, here in Detroit, Michigan, where, as the viral video once said, it is getting cold in the D. YouTube it if you haven't done so yet. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm
1: reporting to you live from Fort Worth, Texas, where it is. The exact opposite of Detroit It's actually beautiful out here, similar to California. Um, But I guess the first place to kick off would just be starting a podcast with a co-host. I think a great place to start would be, do you guys have any specific examples of this happening in your own business or in your own life? And if not, I can lead off with it happening personally to me. Uh, David, has this ever happened to any clients coming to you saying, I want to start a podcast with my BFF, and how did that all pan out?
3: Yeah, I've had a few different experiences, including co-hosting a show that I continue to do right now with a buddy of mine. We're so funny together. So the first, <laughs> the, the, the first, piece, the, yeah, the first piece of advice is yeah, beware of the Wayne and Garth syndrome. I stole that from uh, Jack. Thank you. Um, and that is that if if you have a friend and people tell you you guys are so funny together, you should start a podcast. That's great. Maybe you should, but there's like a whole lot of steps before you get to actual showtime between A and B. Don't go into a podcast thinking we're just going to shoot the breeze because everyone cracks up at us. Every podcast, we've talked about this before on this pod every podcast needs a, a purpose, a niche. What is it about? And we should know what it's about in the first 30 seconds of the podcast. And it can't just be that you're really funny together. So I've seen a couple of podcasts kind of flounder because they seem to rely on the fact of their interplay is so lovable and so great. Um, I've also seen ones where the couple breaks up because one party isn't as committed as the other. That's a huge issue. So weird, um, yeah. I, I even had a, um, John and Yoko situation where a podcast I was producing, which was my most successful show, it turns out the one of the hosts I didn't like all the time he was spending on it, leading to the breakup and the demise of that podcast. So there's a few little odds and ends there. Happy to elaborate as we go on.
1: You You hit on two of the major points, and that is You have to have a niche. It can't just be the anything and everything podcast because while you two might think you have the best banter in the world, you now have to convince everybody else of that. And what ties directly into that is content development. Catherine, have you run into anything because you you are our content maven uh, of the group as as she rolls her eyes. Congratulations. (laughs) Um, Have you had to deal with anything like this in terms of people bringing almost nothing to the table and you have to take on the strategy part of it?
4: Well, I, I'm in a little bit of a different per- position than some of you guys with who have co-hosts that are doing podcasts because all of my sh- all the people I work with are either doing it themselves, they bring on guests, or they okay. use me as the on-air producer. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is sort of like a division of labor thing. One of the things I do offer people is I try to bring ideas to the show, so that's one of the things I try, you know, to bring to the table. And I have had clients in the past where. Uh, They come, so this I think will answer the question, is that they come with their starting set of ideas of what they want to cover, and that can quickly dry up. You know that one of my favorite tips is to have an idea bank that you're always feeding into and taking out of so that you're never coming up short with, with topics. But if you reach that end and then you suddenly are relying on somebody else to come up with the ideas... The the danger of that, of course, is that you know the people that you want to reach best. The host wants to know that. So, in a co-host situation, you guys got to be on the same page that you want to be reaching the same people, and that that is going to drive what you're talking about. Um, You know, I think we've all seen shows. Even I'm thinking about a couple of different podcasts where, uh, you know, they blow, things blow up. They don't go on. They it's, it becomes clear that somebody wanted to do it more than the other person, or that there was really one person had the ideas, had the vision, had the drive. Drive is a huge thing with when it comes to the co-host situation, uh, and the other person didn't. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm paid to come up with ideas. So that's, that's part of my motivation. But really, you can never know as much as what your, you know, the audience that you want to reach, that's really going to be the thing that drives what you talk about.
1: Jack, have you ever run into a situation where you're having a co-host or a two-person-led podcast come to you, and you're really only communicating with one person, and the other person is sort of just drifting around in the background? I know you're in a similar position as Catherine, where you're often brought on as an on-air co-host, and I know that you work on a lot of podcasts where there's multiple hosts brought Mm -hmm. on at a time. Have you seen any issues there where you're really only communicating with one person and communicating the sort of process of the podcast with them and then expecting it to be filtered down to host B, C, and D.
5: Well, that's funny you go there because as Catherine was speaking, I was thinking about the old cliche of the group project in school where somebody does all the work and <laughs> yep. then somebody kind of does not and just coasts. You bring up an interesting question, Johnny, because I think that situation can work. If you have somebody that is clearly delineated the point person on coming up with content and the other person is not, me as the producer or the uh, or or the co-host, whatever it is. If I'm exclusively dealing with one person, but everybody's on the same page, that's okay. That's the key. Mm-hmm. But if there is a situation where, hey, there's somebody who isn't uh, isn't pulling their weight, that's where the friction comes. For some of my clients, I'm thinking of one client in particular who um, who it's uh, it's two folks hosting a podcast, and they brought me on as the co-host to sometimes just sort of set the show up and do the intro. Sometimes I'll jump in on air and say, and make a transition. Sometimes I'll jump in off and off air or take it out after the fact and say, hey, we covered that. Let's go over to here. Maybe repeat that differently. And then they'll utilize my on-air skill set that way. Um, It really is different for everybody. But again, the key is being on the same page. And Matt,
1: tying this, the entire group together,
5: consistency
1: of release is something that I think is very important Mm -hmm. can you expand on that a little bit of how important it is to make sure that both hosts are scheduling time together to record making sure that they're both making this podcast a priority
2: yeah obstacles and sometimes life gets in the way so let's say a baby shows up and (laughs) in one person's life and that really can disrupt the schedule. it could be somebody moving away. We had a case with writing class radio where one of the hosts moved to Madrid, but they still managed to stay consistent and, and get their releases out on every second Wednesday, which is, which, which is what they wanted to do. So, but you can see how this stuff you know falls apart where, Oh, we didn't have time to get together this week to do it. So how can you make that accommodation in order to stay on schedule and to get your episodes out in time? Um, it's, it's, it, it is a commitment. And so, if you're one person and you're scheduling, you know, an interview show, that's pretty easy. But now you've got two schedules to work with, and so that sort of doubles the the difficulty in in in, in a recording schedule. It really does. And there's a couple more points that I
1: want to hit on because I actually made this the topic of a, a newsletter probably a week or two back, and one of the we hit on everything that i touched on there but the last thing was is you guys need to determine who is handing the tech handling the technical side of things it's one thing mm-hmm. to sit down and develop all this content have a great concept and talk to each other have all this great banter but now we need to get it out to the world and I'll, and I'll use a personal example so early on in my podcasting career my roommate and i started a podcast and it was sort of a podcast of convenience we had really great banter we both wanted to do this i had all the equipment And we were living together so we could sit down and record at any time whenever we were home. So it was awesome. And it was a really fun time. But as time went on, it started to become, I would, and he's still my, one of my best friends to date. So this wasn't like a a deal where we don't talk anymore. And the podcast led to the destruction of our relationship. It just kind of, you meet him at
5: your upcoming wedding.
1: He will be there. (laughs) Um, And it it just kind of fizzled out and there's no hard feelings about it at all. But I was handling all of the equipment. I was setting up all the recording on top of that. I was coming up with the majority of the content. Granted, he was amazing behind the microphone. It could just rattle off uh, anything that I threw at him. And He was was probably the driving point of why people tuned in because he was so entertaining. But after a while, the weight of doing an entire podcast for the both of us on top of the fact that I was trying to build a business as well, it just became too much. And then he moves out. He gets married things like that, things happen and you know, the podcast eventually phases out. So um, if you are going to be starting with a co-host, the things that we all mentioned need to be ironed out. Developing content, handling the technical side and you don't have to learn production. You can farm it out to somebody else. Hire one of us to do your podcast. Uh, that way you guys really only have to worry about the content side of it. But you need to understand that there needs to be a goal for the podcast. There needs to be a release schedule and like Matt said, building it into your calendars so that you're staying on task.
2: Can I be a little bit more, let's get to the end part. So when two people come and they say they want to do a podcast or get married to co-host this, I say, well, what's the divorce look like? Right. And I think you really should write out the divorce before you, you your prenup. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Because I think stuff comes up who gets to keep the RSS feed, who gets to keep the content. Um, I know, I know Jag is is nodding along and probably has a story to tell about, um, sorry, what uh, uh, call her daddy.
5: Oh yeah. And and I'm not super familiar with the podcast, with the story and maybe some of our listeners are, but call her daddy was one of the most popular podcasts. I think it was a top 10 podcast and it was under the barstool sports umbrella and the two female co-hosts, uh, had, you know, there was a, because they hit it so big, I, I, believe and don't quote me on this but i believe there's a disagreement over money or salary and the two co-hosts parted ways and one went one way and the other went another way and kept the call her daddy podcast but i'm not sure how difficult that was legally behind the scenes because my guess is when these two women started a podcast that they weren't planning on becoming millionaires out of the deal and didn't know they'd have this situation to deal with so having that prenup like you said matt is just so so important I can
1: well, color in a little bit there, uh, and Catherine, feel free to jump yeah. in after. Um, essentially, what happened is uh, the the blonde woman, Alex, who is currently the call her daddy host, sole host now. Her co-host, Sophia, I think her name was. She the started brunette. Ba- the brunette. She started dating <laughs> some guy uh, who was working at HBO Max, and he tried to pull both of them away from Barstool because they had signed something like seventy thousand dollar contracts at the beginning to do the podcast with Barstool. And then uh, they blew up up and they became millionaires overnight, essentially. And so they tried to rework their negotiations and Barstool was being open to that of being like, yeah, you guys are the top podcast at our company. Of course, we're going to give you new contracts. Uh, All the while behind the scenes, uh, the brunette and the boyfriend were planning on taking the podcast and moving it over to uh, whatever HBO Max version of podcasting was whatever company they on it all blew up and it well, an interesting wrinkle in there is alex the girl who's currently the call her daddy host solo now she was doing everything from the jump the other girl was sort of just there so while she was contributing far less to the podcast she tried to take all of it and then eventually she said you know what legally this is becoming too much i'm going to try and gamble on my own and we kind of you know gamble on going on my own we all saw how that panned out everyone knows alex cooper and call her daddy nobody else knows this other girl
4: well, and don't forget, Dave Portnoy came in and said, actually, we own Bar- Barstool owns Call yeah. Daddy. And that was like the Oh, that's right, you are you are not the owners of this show that everybody recognizes with you. And, you know, back to the prenup idea is I know that there was uh, in podcasting 1.0, you have to remember, for some people, this is a business arrangement. Mm-hmm. So when things, if things go wrong, uh, who is Libsyn going to say is the show owner? If you have access to the password and and a particular email, maybe you're the owner. And somebody who thought they were in a 50-50 relationship suddenly is not. Um, especially, you know, I don't know how some of the other, like the crowdfunding sites might work, but you know, if if money is involved, <laughs> you have a business relationship and then, that can make, That is going to change the dynamics of all of those pieces pretty fast.
1: Yeah. And what if there's a Patreon where there's, you know, extra exclusive content coming out and that's a lot of revenue that's coming in. Jack, go.
5: I was going to say, to take off of Catherine's point, so I host my shows on Simplecast, and I spent a really long time sitting down with the tech guys from Simplecast at Podcast Movement. In fact, I skipped a keynote for it, and I'm so glad I did, because I got some real great one-on-one time with their tech team. And the way they explained it to me is the owner email address is the one who owns the show, as far as they are concerned. So I've had situations where I've, I've either taken over ownership or given up ownership to a client, or they're not a client anymore, whatever the situation might be. So from Simplecast's perspective, as the host, they need an email from the host or from the new host saying, we want to change this show. And they need confirmation from the email, the other email. So they have all their ducks in a row and they keep everything on file. So if there's any question about it, it's all So they have a paper trail based on who owns the show. So you want to think about that from the technical hosting perspective, as well as the point everybody else has been making, of course, about the financial perspective.
4: Exactly,
1: David, how would you because Not only do we have hosts listening to the show, but we also have people working on the production side engineers, editors, people like that, people that are doing what we do for other people. In your instance, how would you advise someone where you're the owner? It's your email. You signed up. You signed them up to Libsyn, Anchor, Blueberry, whatever. They're not exactly tech savvy. So they're having you handle all of the editing as well as uploading and management release, things like that. Then they have the divorce. How would you handle that from? Because because you cause you, uh, you don't want to get stuck into a legal battle. Um, yeah. and I'm gonna ha- I'm gonna ask you to dust off your law degree. <laughs> um, well, how would you how would you handle that? Because yeah. You want to remove yourself from any potential you know issues because you got to get on with your life. Yeah,
3: you know I guess it depends. Um, you know the the super safe thing to do would be to have it in writing beforehand, but if we all are honest about things in the podcast world, that usually doesn't happen because you usually just want to get rolling. The podcast business is still kind of an informal one. And, and usually you don't have to deal with this stuff, but if, and when you did, I can tell you the divorces that I've had, the way it usually pans out is you end up having a closer relationship. So it's usually one of the two people that comes to you first and then th- that kind of sorts itself out. If I mean the yeah the absolute worst nightmare scenario would be if they're both going to you, and um and at that point I I mean I hate to sound defeatist but I think you wash your hands of it and you say, you say I'm sorry I worked for you you paid me to produce this podcast I'm done you figure it mm-hmm. out you know um, yeah.
1: Tag and them both in an email and say, here's the login info. Do it yep. what you, there you want. Go. I'm, Give I'm them not-
3: all, right. Give them all the audio. Here it is. Here Whoever you- reads
5: it first and changes the password. Yeah, yeah, not- <laughs>
3: like, don't drag us into it.
1: I, I think that's uh, the only way to go. Matt, has having that conversation with people, because a lot of us as, as producers, we want things to be flowery and sunny. We want this all to work out because we get paid ultimately to produce the podcast. So we want things to, we want to paint things as in as positive of light of, as possible. However, you took the more realistic approach. You're a, clearly the most mature of the group and you're saying, what if this doesn't work out? <laughs> um, how have those conversations gone in the past? Have they soured the
2: potential starting point? Have they
1: led to an ultimately successful podcast? Is there anything in there?
2: No, I, I think you get resolution right away over you know, who's going to be able to do what. I mean, I've, I've done morning shows before where I'm the program director and these this is the talent who's going to come in. And it really comes down to role definition. And I think these are conversations you should have before you start. Who's going to be responsible for what? Mm-hmm. Who get, And then just throwing out a question like, "Hey, who gets the last call if you guys have a mm-hmm. disagreement?" And so just having that discussion, you know, y- you'll have you'll have the conversation now before you get into it, and at least there'll be some understanding before you start. Because I think everybody goes into it with, uh, "Well, we're both going to do it together, and we're the best of friends," and and off we go. But- and it is very flowery. But if you can have some conversations over who does what and who gets to make the last call and who's going to be responsible for this, uh, you, can really, you can really get into, you know, getting off to a really, really good start with your podcast. And it's role definition. And so you've got, it's kind of, it, everybody I think has a role on the show. So you're, why are you together? Why are you doing a show together? What do you bring to the table? Oh, well, you're good with data. Okay, so then I turn to the other person we'll say, okay, if, if so-and-so is good with data, you need to support them in the show. Mm-hmm. And you need to say, hey, you're good with data. What do you know about this? Mm-hmm. That is called supporting your co-host. And it's something that gets sort of overlooked because not everybody knows what, who everybody is on the show. So you have two voices. I mean, there's a podcast that, that I'm working with right now. I cannot tell the two of them apart. And so I'll ask them, I said, if I if I don't know who you are and I work with you every day, the listener has no idea either. I think you need to call each other by a first name. You're Anna, you're Annabelle, you're you know, you have to identify who the person is on the show. That it, you have to support your co-host in, in that sense.
3: And then when they bring a guest in, you really gotta be that's what I, I tell my hosts, it's it's call call everybody by name. Yeah. And God forbid they have two guests and then, you know, it's chaos. And you, it, but but it can work if you do it with that kind of direction.
2: I would always discourage more than three people on a podcast. But here
5: we are five. <laughs> well, no, and similar to similar yeah, to idea, similar to Dave's point, I was on a podcast that I do with local chamber of commerce here. And we had for um, reasons I won't get into. We had four co-hosts, myself and three women. And we would tell the guests if you're responding to a question that one of the three women is asking, address them by name. Great question, Catherine. Thanks. Okay. Thanks, Johnny. Whatever. No, I'm calling Johnny Woman, but that's, but that's, uh, that is all the, uh, the way to do it. Because if I'm asking the question, I'm the one guy. Obviously, that's easy to differentiate. But if you've got three women with similar sounding voices, you've got to differentiate on that show.
4: I listened to one episode of a mother-daughter podcast where I I could not tell the difference between their voices. They sounded exactly alike. And I I needed like a, some sort of, they needed a drop for every time they spoke or some sort of audio cue because it it was indistinguishable to my Mm. ear.
1: That's great advice. Don't start a podcast with your family (laughs) member. One, you sound too alike. And two, it's going to be horrible when you guys break up.
5: (laughs) Catherine brings up a really good point there, which is, what you hear in your head or see in your mind's eye for the podcast is not going to come off the same way to a listener. You, your listener might pick up on something, or in this case, not pick up on something Mm -hmm. that you thought was very obvious. It's really important to get feedback from listeners and find out how the show is coming out and get that uh, constructive criticism.
2: And Jag just did something that, you know, I said a moment ago, and that's support the audience. He just said, Catherine brings up a point. So anybody listening knows who Catherine is. And I said, Jag, and this is how we support one another. So that the listener does get to know the voices on the show. Great point, Matt.
4: Excellent, Matt. Thank you.
2: Thanks, Catherine. (laughs) Um, We have a couple other
1: topics that we can jump into with the time remaining that we do. But just to tie this up into a bow, and I'll I'll open it up to the floor for final thoughts on this. My final thought on this would be the division of labor does not have to be 50-50. If like Matt said, you excel in one thing, like for instance, if I were to start a podcast with Catherine, my experience is in the engineering and the post-production. Hers is in the content development. So me and her would come to an agreement of Catherine, you're going to come up with all the content for the show. I'm going to bounce off ideas from you. And in exchange, I'm going to handle all of the editing, getting the podcast out to the world and making us sound incredible. That way we have equal division of labor, hopefully in both of our eyes. And you know, Johnny.
3: Johnny, great point, Johnny podcast. Um, (laughs) The podcast I co-host with a a friend of mine, it's a music nostalgia podcast. And we did fall into some roles. It took some figuring out, but eventually one of the the solution to actually do a weekly podcast and divide the labor was painfully simple. And that is that we switched off. And and, and, um, in, in sort of parallel with that, we... I, I don't want to get into this whole thing because it's not a plug for my podcast, but we we did something different on the off weeks. The off weeks, you kind of knew this is a Dave week and this is a Milt week, and maybe it's it's as it's as simple as that. But um, I but I agree, and we all hate to think about the divorces. I know you're going to get to some other topics, uh, Johnny, but don't forget to um, share feedback along the way that with your co-host. You know, uh, things that if you thought there was a moment that didn't work. Tell that person if you, but in like manner, celebrate the wins. It's supposed mm-hmm. to be fun. You know, mm-hmm. I get it. Sometimes I get a text from my co-host saying, God, I really love our pod. And maybe he's, <laughs> maybe he's the only one that does, but still it makes it, it really makes um it, you inspired to, to do more. That's all.
5: I'll come back to a point that Rob Walsh from Libsyn made at Podcast Movement last year in 2021, and that was reasons that podcasts either pod fade or just end. Now, keep in mind, this is now uh, August of 21 that we were having this conversation. You know, one reason is there's they are misled about how much, about whether they're going to make money, and after about a year or so, they say, hey, we're not making money mm-hmm. at this thing. They did not listen to Matt Cundell, and they uh, end up stop doing the show. But another key reason is... Like we're talking about here, a divorce, there's a falling out with the host, either it's a friendship falling out a work falling out for all of the reasons we've just discussed over the last 25 minutes. That is one of the th- top reasons that a podcast will end is some sort of disagreement or falling out between the host. So it's a real thing. I'm glad we're addressing it today.
3: Or both, Jag John Jag, um, Jay in Detroit. Uh, the, the one one person, one co-host has an expectation, and the other has a different one. Because I right. think it's common. It's like, well, I thought we were just doing this for fun. It's like, well, maybe you are. <laughs> I'm
4: trying to save get get out of my job, and this is going to be my big ticket
1: right, here. Yeah. Catherine, Matt, final thoughts on this? You don't have to have final thoughts.
4: I'll I'll throw out again. Just the, the just keep in mind there is an ownership component that you should be mindful of, especially if you're, if your aim or if you are successful in monetizing, then just to know that, that there you want to make sure that you have those, uh, that relationship clearly defined and understood by everybody.
2: Don't let things get to a point where you're going to have a fight. I, I think you got to air it out early. I think it's one of the things that I took from working with morning shows, and having a regular meeting, I mean, of course it was every day at 10 AM, but Immediately. Uh, yeah, but you know, have it out and, and say, if there is a problem in the show or in the process, don't let the resentment build up, just get to talking about it and resolve it quickly. And that way you don't have the big blow up.
5: Matt Cundell, part program director, part marriage
2: counselor. Oh, listen, you gotta be a, if you, to be a program director at a radio station, you you're a psychologist' you're a therapist essentially yeah, every right. day and listen I mean in, in radio especially I think some of the best morning shows are are have code you have a codependent relationship mm-hmm. with uh with your with your morning show partner um in podcasting I you know you don't have to be there at the same time every day you know yes we want to you know re- release these episodes consistently but you know make it an interdependent relationship if you can not a codependent one because things will build up and so will the resentment
4: so matt if you if we're gonna have a big blowout though should you do it on the air is that is that just good that's
2: (laughs) content baby it it might be it might be hey go ahead and record it see what happens
0: Hello, I'm Wendy Messley. There you are. A lot of people have wondered what happened to you. I could say the same about you, Maureen Holloway. Well, here we are, a few years after we left our previous jobs. We've been busy. We have a podcast. I know you're thinking who doesn't, but ours is really good. It's called Women of Ill Repute. We don't just talk to women though, just the most interesting people you'd ever want to meet. Artists, musicians, comedians, doctors, activists, convicts, writers, sex workers. Drop some names. Jan Arden, Pamela Anderson, Bruce Coburn, Samantha Irby, Louise Penny, Marilyn Dennis, Colin Mochrie. We laugh, we cry, sometimes we argue. Come and find us. Our website is womenofillrepute.com. Or try Apple, Spotify, and all the podcast places. So now you know what happened to us. Women of Ill Repute. The Podcast Super Friends. So
1: the plan was to do this topic for the full hour, but an article came out just today that all of us were emailing or tweeting about. and, And this is not your typical like, oh, uh, company X has acquired this podcast or Joe <laughs> Rogan has done something stupid again. Uh, podcasters, this is the title of the article. Podcasters are buying millions of listeners raising questions about their marketing tactics. And the meat of this article uh, is saying that companies like iHeart are placing podcast advertisements into banner ads of mobile games. So if I wanted to open up a loot box to get three more coins to unlock a new car for my stupid finger racing game, I tap that ad. Wow, you're seeing
5: Swahili to me right now.
1: (laughs) I tap that ad and a podcast starts playing and it probably has a countdown, five, four, three, two, one. Then I can tap the X rapidly and get out of it and continue playing the game. I've got my coins that's now being counted as a podcast download. And this article is sort of just talking about this. And uh, Catherine, you're the one who presented this to the group and we're tweeting about it. What the hell is going on here?
4: You're asking me and we should give uh, is, is it the author of the post is Ashley Carmen.
1: It is from Ashley
5: Carmen of Bloomberg.
4: Yeah, just to give, a, just to give credit where credit she is due. She was at Hot
5: Pot, I believe, before. She's a fairly well-known uh, writer in the space.
4: Yeah, she covers a lot of this. she's broken several podcasting big pieces of news. Well, okay, so my question is this is this this is pay for click how or let me phrase this as a question. How is this not a click farm operation? How is this not it's being said as if it's a marketing campaign, but it you you're enticing people for a non-podcast episode listening reason to download your podcast and that is being counted as I download for the purpose of gaming your numbers for, uh, you know, getting paid for your ads, oh. for clicks, I it's 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 beyond. It is totally beyond yes. in my in my mind. And I don't I I, I what I'm also. I don't have this quite thought out, and maybe you all can help me do this, is I'm really getting very tired of people who are supposed to be leaders in our industry who are doing things uh, that that they don't add that they're they are not being transparent about. It's not an ethical thing to do. If names, somebody got give up, us
1: names, call them out.
4: <laughs> if if somebody got up onto a stage at a at a podcasting conference and said, We pay to get the number of downloads that we have. No one would accept that that would be hmm. totally unacceptable uh yet that's exactly what companies are doing uh so this was this was just sort of a, once again a a little bit of a uh disappointing but not probably not surprising you know you know I'm the one who always says whenever I hear people's download numbers, I just think lie that's my first <laughs> my first thought but now you know now that it's being exposed yeah they, they these are these are being paid to to get these, these download numbers. They're totally, it makes it totally meaningless.
1: Jack, you you're a friend of uh, our <laughs> boys over at iHeart. You've got always lots of positive things to say about them. Is this, <laughs> is this surprising to you in the least? What are your thoughts?
5: ah johnny for anybody who's new to the show johnny's being sarcastic and it's rare that i pass up an opportunity to dunk on my former employer um this actually tracks with something we talked about last month that i was one of my key takeaways from podcast movement this year that iheart is not selling uh branded podcasts to companies based on number of downloads they're not selling it based on production costs they're eating the production costs and they're essentially selling the podcast as an ad buy and they're saying hey Let's, um, we're going to have you get buy so many impressions across our different platforms. And then in exchange, we'll produce the podcast for you. So that left me thinking, okay, well, what does that mean? Does that mean, okay. In app ads that of course means over the air radio ads. Does that mean outdoor billboard ads? Clearly we've now approached another topic here, which is, if this is true, it's, it's pretty sketchy. I think this is, um, one of those situations and maybe I'm being, you know, overly optimistic here. But people's BS meters are high. These things tend to find a way to even themselves out. There's always uh, somebody trying to help you game your way to the front page of Google. And if you get to the front page of Google, obviously that's where it's at. But Google usually figures out how people are cheating their system and punishes them for it. Right. Same thing with Apple and their system. I think if this is as prevalent as Ashley Carman says it is, this is going to be uh, quickly course corrected by the industry. And I think we'll, we'll be out of this little pick up soon. That's my personal opinion. I could be dead wrong. Matt, you just pulled up a, 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 a
2: clip of the article. Do you want to read that out for our audio only listeners? I did not bring my glasses, but I can still try to squint through this. Podcasts typically rely on downloads as the primary metric for ad sales. When an individual taps on an in-app play button on their mobile device, an entire episode begins downloading so that they can listen to it, even in the absence of a good internet connection, say on an airplane or in the subway. An episode's ads are inserted at that moment of download, meaning that even if a consumer only Listens to ten minutes of a thirty minute show. The mid-roll ad at the fifteen minute mark is often ready to be heard, not to mention counted by the sales team. And that leads into a, a quote that I have from the article where they uh,
1: the the author of the article reached out to someone named Larry Chayagua who is a marketing professor, and he said, quote, "'Not all impressions are created equal. I'm not saying that this tactic is not ethical or illegal, but it raises issues. If someone is trying to play a game and that's the purpose of this interaction, they may just be eager to play the game and are not interested in the information being shared.'" I would disagree with Master Larry, Professor Larry over here. I would say that this is absolutely unethical because if I'm a company reaching out to a podcast and saying, I'm going to pay you $10,000 to uh, to advertise on your podcast and the host come back and says, we're actually going to charge you $20,000 because our downloads have spiked over the last six months. But we're not going to tell you that half of those downloads came from that we planted the ads on Subway Surfer like uh, iHeart did over there. And I would say that's extremely unethical. And for him to say that he doesn't, for him to play neutral on that, I think is just total bull.
2: Yes. And so, I mean, listen, we're disappointed because, you know, there's, there's trust in the podcast space and it gets eroded every time something like this comes up, what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to, Oh, I heard that podcast ads were fraud. (laughs) Oh, that's what we, we have to put up with that. We didn't do that. And, and, but if you're, if you're, if you're an advertiser, you should be horrified. I mean, you should be livid, uh, you know, about something like this. I mean, it, it it is, it's fraud. It's, it's what it is. You're gaming the system and you're running the numbers up. And, you know, like that piece I just read, the mineral didn't get to the ears of anybody, right. but you're still paying for it. And someone's paying for that.
3: Matt, nah, it's a great, it's a great point, but you just kind of hope that you reap what you sow eventually. In the, and there there are advertisers that buy simply based make buys just simply based on download numbers. But there are also a, a raft of advertisers that when approached by a podcast saying, would you like to advertise with us? Here are our download numbers. Look at them. Well, if I'm the advertiser, the first thing I'm probably going to want to do is listen to the show. Is mm-hmm. it a good show? What kind of followers do you have? What kind of feedback do you get on the show? What's the show about? Does it does it? Even if you can't give us numbers, do you suspect that the audience is similar to the one that we want to reach? You know, that's why when I tell my clients that, you know, it's like, well, I only got, you know, 200, 250 downloads an episode. It's like, okay, but you know, you do something very specific. You, you have a following, you get really good feedback on your show. You could put together a nice presentation as to why this is a compelling buy for an advertiser that wants to team up with you. And, um, kind of, and, you know, the advertiser may want to do so because they take some pride in the fact that they partnered with this excellent podcast. So always, go gosh, ahead. So you, ahead. You, you go, Jack. I'm rambling. You go.
5: No, I was going to say to your point, I always tell potential clients, I will take 10 podcast listeners like legitimate listeners over 100 tweets or 100 Facebook likes or 100 hearts on Instagram because these people are genuinely involved. They're actively consuming your content as opposed to scroll, click, scroll, click, scroll, tap. So I think for that reason, uh, you know, don't get hung up on the podcast numbers. If, uh, it's about quality as opposed to quantity.
4: but uh counterpoint loving counterpoint uh but i think that to back to matt's point this does hurt our industry so to speak that this Mm -hmm. is this is sort of a this seems sleazy um you know like as i feel like this is the the dead horse that i cannot stop beating but you know that the average podcast has does not have numbers of down, of listeners that would be impressive i mean they're impressive to us because we know how hard it is to get people to listen to a podcast and to your point the 10 podcast listeners are probably are more valuable for the brand for the relationship all those things but that that is not that is not the thing that makes advertisers hearts sing you know mm. and and if we're trying to it, attract money into the indus- into the industry to make it viable that people can make a living and make good money and all those kinds of things Th- these kind of sketchy practices just it 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 kind of just goes against podcasting that's my yeah. that's part of my concern
1: and catherine i totally agree and to what david was saying as well the sort of you reap what you sow for for everyone that's doing it correctly the people that aren't doing these sort of really gross and icky practices that's just going to make advertisers as a whole, they're going to want to drill down more on, I want to see where your listeners are coming from, and I need to see as much data as possible. Whereas for us, we're already being super transparent. We go, sure, here you go. I, I have no issue okay. with that. Hopefully, the hammer does come down on the iHearts where they're like, ooh, do you really, are you sure you really want to see that? Stop the subway surfer pies.
4: hmm yeah.
1: So hopefully, hopefully it. it, it, I don't want to say hopefully it hurts them, but hopefully it course corrects the people that are not being ethical about this.
2: Well, this is a very new story, so we'll wait for. Yeah, we'll wait for, you know, comment from, you know, the people, the players in this. I'm sure. We'll wait for comment from
5: the remaining employees at
2: iHeart.
0: Oh, sorry. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah, Matt, you're you're definitely right. When you when you hear something like that, and it's. It, it, it evokes that feeling of anger and you're pissed off about it. You, with the way the last 10 years have gone, we have to take anything that comes out mm-hmm. online with a grain of salt. So, mm-hmm. yeah.
2: Yeah. I, yeah. And listen, Ashley Carmen is, you know, rock solid in, in the world. No, and it's that, nothing that she, to right, say right. that she's being unethical. Yeah. R- right. But mm-hmm. I, can't, I can't wait to hear the response. You know, we'll all wait for the response for, from iHeart. You know, as to this practice, they may say, It never happened. They may say we're not gonna do it again. Who knows what will happen? But this is the company that that we're number one for podcasts. Well now we know
5: in the same way that every top 40 station is the number one hit music station. Yeah.
4: And they've got more hits and less, you know, less commercials. That's what I've come to understand.
3: Maybe the the silver good point, Catherine O'Brien. The maybe okay, I'll stop doing that now, I promise. Um, but, yeah, I'm supposed to keep doing it, but <clears throat> maybe there's a silver lining here in that it, it kind of throws the whole, I've got millions of downloads things into the trash and maybe, maybe some cynicism about big download numbers is appropriate. And maybe nice. some of those other factors that I mentioned earlier are better to, to sell a podcast that let's all remember that, you know, all of the, the vast, vast majority of podcasters are never going to get up to 10,000 episode 10,000 downloads per episode, which is the uh, I don't know if it's still the magic number to get an ad agency interested in you. So what do you do? Create a great show. Find your audience and find someone that will partner with you in selling to that audience, no matter what size they are.
4: Right. The sponsorship versus the uh, the advertising model. That's absolutely true. David, yes. Thank you. One of my That's favorite
3: let oh, me sorry, just Jag. I'm older, so I'm going to forget this quicker. Um, I used to work for a legal newspaper and, you know, we had circulation of uh, maybe about 10,000, which was great. But we also sold sponsorships to our events. Now, who was at the events? They were important people, but they're only 300 people in a room. And there are companies that would pay $10,000 to be the gold sponsor of that event. Think of your podcast that way.
5: Yes. It's a great way to look at Good it. Good way to think of it. Uh, an example that I may have mentioned on the show before uh, is Joel Saul Cihai, who does the Stacking Benjamins podcast, it used to be based here out of Detroit. He just started this little financial podcast, and he was at an event, and he was talking to the, the uh, guys at the Fidelity booth. And they're like, hey, uh, he said, hey, do you want to sponsor my podcast? And it, 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 podcasting was pretty new back then. And the guy from Fidelity said, I don't, okay, uh, what's that going to cost us? <laughs> and Joel said, I don't know, 100 bucks. Fidelity said, 100 bucks? Sure, here we go. So now he is the Stacking Benjamin podcast sponsored by Fidelity and got a ton of street cred in the financial industry Smart. by doing oh, yeah. it.
1: Smart. Oh yeah, and probably so much more uh, goodwill and sort of a, I trust this podcast to mm-hmm. any random person that might stumble across it. They see the word Fidelity on it and they go, oh, this is the real deal. These guys mm-hmm. know what they're talking about. That's absolutely true. Um Okay, so we've hit on... Marrying your co host and starting a show. We've talked about people gaming the ad system, and we'll sort of sit on our hands and see what the fallout of that, if any. Happens Johnny, can, can
2: I have can I have the uh, panel rate my tweet? Uh,
5: yeah, we would love to. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> so I, I put a very careful Boston reference into this uh, one.
5: <laughs> I can't, I, I can't. I gotta move my screen. You so want, I read it. you want me to read
1: it, Matt? Everyone's yes. laughing except yep. me, so I've, I've been aged out of oh, this. Oh,
3: Matt, story. I'm sorry. I don't mean to say... St- you you want to read it? No, go ahead. Okay. Matt Matt Cundall tweets the following. At iHeart Podcast, meaning, of course, iHeartRadio Podcast, is the Rosie Ruiz of Podcast. <laughs> now that that is brilliant matt and, and i know jag and i know who rosie roe is but i don't know if the rest of the world does so i
4: think i do i i want to make a here? good get is this the person who jumped into the boston marathon or took the subway or something like that and cheated and both, uh, <laughs> both. okay <laughs> I, just pulled,
1: I just pulled her up on uh no on Wiki. Wikipedia, it says Rosie, uh, it says Rosie Vivas, not Rosie Ruiz. Uh, but she, I made, guess she
3: was, got married, although I don't know who would marry her, but
1: yeah, she, she was she, a, a Cuban American fraudster who was declared the winner in the female category for the 84th who? Boston Marathon in 1980, only to have her title stripped away eight days after the race when it was discovered she had not run the entire course. Who so, won
2: the race? Jackie Guerrero, right? Right, and so yes. yeah, shout out to uh, Ben here in the stream who who. Um, mentioned Jacqueline uh, Garreau as as the winner. So,
3: but. Yeah, but that that poor girl, she crosses the finish, and they tell her she's in, she finished second, and she was she seemed to be somewhat happy with that. But she she got her wreath and her crown, as it were, like a couple of days later when the photos emerged of Rosie getting off the subway. <laughs> it was, it, it, the 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 gall of that woman. Yes. Yeah, so iHeartRadio, there are big parallels, Matt. Good call,
2: Jacqueline Garreau from
5: Montreal. Uh, oh, there we Montreal. go.
4: Look at us coming full circle.
5: Look at that. A Bostonian celebrating somebody from Montreal. Stranger things have happened.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. We've got that out of our system. Yes. Yes, Jag. Um, So we're going to cover three topics today. This will be our final topic to bring us home. Congratulations, one, to Jag in Detroit for restarting the Jag show podcast. Woo woo. And to Johnny as well for doing the same. I restarted my podcast as well, except I took a full year off and, and versus yours was a, a much safer hiatus. I completely just de- took my took a flamethrower to my audience and said I'm starting over. You at least have a little bit of of you know build up still left and audience goodwill versus versus me. But anyway, that brings up the subject of what day of the week should I release my <laughs> podcast? And since David here has the longest running continuous podcast out of all of us, maybe mm. tied with Matt for a close second. Uh, But David, can you talk about the top 10 time machine, the Friday release decision? Uh, How does the podcast do with a Friday release? Why did you choose Friday? It doesn't have to be some super deep philosophical answer. I know mine doesn't.
3: Yeah. Don't do Fridays. It's probably a bad idea. No, I think conventional thinking in the podcast world is that you, you actually want to avoid Mondays and Fridays and Tuesdays, Wednesdays and Thursdays are the best. Um, simply because people are more in the flow of the week, et cetera. They're more in their routine. A lot of people listen on their morning commute, but ours is an entertainment podcast. It's for fun. And so there's, there's some century to us releasing it on Friday. So it's out there Friday morning. So you see it pop in your uh, your podcast feed and maybe you'll listen to it Friday afternoon when you're having a, your Friday afternoon cocktail or over the weekend le- leisure time. But um the other reason we do it on Friday is because just my partner and I, we record either Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday, depending upon where our crazy schedule is like. So we, we kind of have to do it Friday. But um, one thing I would suggest is, you know, you might want to experiment a little bit as crazy as it sounds and try a couple different things because we noticed that um, certain episodes did really well when released before, before a holiday weekend, And that led us to believe that maybe people are, in fact, listening on the weekends. Of course, you can look at your analytics and see what day of the week people listen, because people aren't necessarily all listening on the day it's released. Um, A a majority will, but not necessarily a huge majority. So those thoughts are kind of all over the place. But there you go.
1: Matt, thoughts on your release? It seems like your releases
2: are not necessarily weekly. They are. I just had a little hiccup last week okay uh namely it was uh hurricane fiona so um That's a that yeah that was a little bit of a hiccup
1: i think I, it's pronounced
2: hurricane her, yes <laughs> tuesday is generally the day to get the episode out okay and i choose tuesday because monday is can be a little bit tight i think tuesday is quite a popular release day for i know at pacific content the, the
1: 90 90 of, of the shows i produce come out on tuesday
2: tuesday yeah. morning i i open
1: my podcast feed and listen to all the podcasts, make sure everything came out okay. But yeah, Tuesday is a very popular day.
2: Yeah, I love Tuesday for for launching anything new because it gives you all day Monday to prepare for Tuesday. And mm. who wants to spend Friday preparing for Monday? Nobody. Mm. Uh, and Tuesday is kind of a – I mean, most people, they get to work on Monday, they're cleaning out their weekend and, and yeah. the other stuff from last week that didn't get finished. And people come in Tuesday, and I get bombed with new – you know, ideas and projects every Tuesday morning. Hey, we're looking to do this. We're looking to do this. And um, I think it's just a great day to to start something new. And so I think, and it's also a great day to market. A lot of people are still planning up their week at that time. And so if you put the episode out Tuesday and you start marketing it, people can budget the time to get around to listen to the podcast. Now, I'm not taking anything away from Thursday. Thursday is also a great day. But the thing about Thursday is people's weeks are already set and determined. Thursday night, especially if you've got kids, there's uh, you know parent teacher meetings. There's the gym class, the football practice, the hockey practice. Everything sort of gets scheduled Thursday. Nobody wants to touch Friday, and and of course nobody wants to bother with the weekends. It's okay to put your podcast out on a Thursday. You just got to market it twice. So you know promote it on Thursday and Friday, and then come back and do it again Monday. If you release your episode on Tuesday, you still got to promote it twice. You should promote it on Tuesday, but then come back again on Friday to get those hmm. people who want to do their their weekend planning. So it really, your release day should revolve as a part of your marketing schedule and your social media scheduling and all that other stuff that you do. It just doesn't really matter that I have one client who insists on releasing on Sunday morning, which what a horrible time, <laughs> like, at, but it doesn't matter because on Monday she wakes up and it's already out and it's already on all the, on, on all the apps and she'll just start marketing then it's okay. She's hitting the church crowd. Yeah.
1: Uh, Jag, congratulations again on the restart of the show did you change your release date did you did that factor into your thinking at all what was your approach when you said all right jag show podcast is coming back
5: i think uh i broke my own rule and i think i released on friday last week when i'm typically releasing on thursdays uh but i think i i am of my of the mindset of Excuse me. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday are the better than Monday and Friday, as David said. Uh, Matt may have be onto something with a Tuesday, but for me, in terms of you know my workload, if I plan on a Thursday release, that gives me Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. That gives me some flexibility during the week to read the news, figure out what my angle is going to be, figure out what stories I want to cover. And then I generally record it on Thursdays, and it's only a five or so minute show, but it does take an hour or two to produce the audio, produce the video, get it up everywhere. So um, so I try to get it out by the end of the day on Thursday, but then I allow myself a buffer to get it out on Friday if everything hits the fan work-wise on Thursday. But t- part of the reason I restarted the show was I'm using the show as a branding tool for my business. And I'm now renewed after a conversation, actually, with Matt and Johnny in Dallas at uh, Podcast Movement this year. I have a renewed energy in focusing on my business and not just doing all the editing and production work. And I'm trying to carve out more time for that, which is why I restarted the show as, you know, school and everything started back up here in the fall.
1: Yeah, um, I also uh, release on Thursdays, but I think... I'm like Catherine. I'm kind of fleshing out this idea as I throw it out there. I think that it's it's you shouldn't – don't be so hard on yourself li- hosts of podcasts out there listening. If you miss a day every now and then where it comes out 12 hours later, 24 hours later, that's okay. I know that in my experience, if there's a podcast that I just absolutely love listening to and it doesn't come out on the day that I expect it to – It does hurt a little bit, but I'm still thinking about the show and I'm still, it doesn't drive me away. I'm not dropping the podcast. I'm not going to be like, screw these guys. I'm never listening to them again. And then when it does come out, you might be annoyed, but then when it does come out the next day, oh, it's a little bit of a different experience. It's come out 24 hours later. Maybe I'm a different point in my day. I'm still listening to the podcast. So again, there's each show is different. Your topic is different. I think like if you were doing a business-centric podcast, yes, it's probably better to release on Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday. But if you're like David or other other people out there that are host strictly entertainment, then maybe you entertain the Monday-Friday crowd. Friday being, hey, it's the start to the weekend. This is part of your entertainment schedule, your leisure time. Or Monday, hey, put off the feeling of, oh, God, I got to go back to work for a little bit and I'm going to enjoy this podcast for an hour. And it kind of makes those Mondays a little bit easier.
4: John, I'm going to use your comment here to step on what I wanted to share, which is this is a perfect example of one of those that I have completely released the, uh, my, Apprehensions or my preconceived ideas about what is the best thing to do because I know when I started listening to podcasts, every every weekly podcast that I listened to came out on a Monday or a Thursday. It was sort of like an unwritten rule that that was when they came out. And you know, you we we listen to people who are saying like, oh, this is the prime time when people are listening to podcasts. Okay, I'm done with all that. I I don't. uh, The point is to get it out. Like, just you know, get it out if you if you can be consistent and do it great the this the most important thing is that you get it out so i i have let go of these beliefs like oh thursday's a better day or tuesday's a better day you're gonna get this and da, 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 because like matt's point it's a market you have to market your podcast regardless the people who are subscribed or follow your podcast are going to get it automatically when it is released that you don't have to worry about that you what people you do have to worry about are the non-subscribers, the significant number of people who, who might listen to your show who aren't signed up and aren't following your show. So that's a marketing activity. That's a, So it doesn't matter what day it comes out. It co- matters that it is out and that you do all the things to put it in front of as many people as you can.
2: Can I talk about myself again? Please. Always. Uh, sound off podcasts. So I mentioned that one of the episodes I recorded um, we had a, a little technical issue and then it got stuck in Hurricane Fiona. And so I had no episode. And then I recorded one on Friday with Fred Jacobs from Jacobs Media. And I said, screw it. Let's just put it out because uh, it's just sitting here and it's ready to go. And out it went on a Saturday morning, which is a very unusual time to do it. But promoted it a couple times, and then you know Fred is very good about promoting it, so he gets to work on Monday, and now it's like we have a brand new episode. And right. 30 days from now, which is really the time you should be looking back to go, how did exactly. this episode do? When you look in the rearview mirror, you're not even going to know what day that the podcast was released on. Right. Now, exactly. I'm, I'm not saying release it whenever you want. I, I think it's important to be consistent. Right. I really, really do. I absolutely think it's important to be consistent, but 30 days from now, you're not going to See the effects of it necessarily.
3: Maybe, maybe even more. Yeah, um, more important than what day is is consistency. Maybe even more important than consistency is communicating with your audience. And you know, if you the, the whole point is to build a relationship with the audience and interact with them, right? Mm-hmm. So if you so uh, in our music podcast, I just knew I was up in Maine and I was going to try to record the podcast remotely. It was a terrible plan. It didn't work. Did have a podcast it, just like you matter was stuck. So I wrote a poem about the podcast and recorded that. It was <laughs> it was all about ninety seconds of an episode, but I posted it and I said, "I'm really sorry. I'm stuck up here in Maine, everybody. I hope you understand. We'll be back next week, regular time, regular." Pe-. And you know, I mean, I don't know how many people listen to the just that poem thing, but at the very least, your listeners will be like, "All right, eh, we forgive you. We, you know, and we'll see you next time."
4: And and to say, you know, like what Johnny was saying, there's podcasts that I. That is part of my routine on a particular day, and i do I do get a, you know that uh, oh, where is my episode? I have that same sort of angst, and you know I want it I want to listen just because that's my thing that I do on Monday mornings or whatever, and it's not to it's not to get rid of all those things, but it's it's not to get hung up on this idea that it's if you don't hit that day or you don't hit that time that somehow you've missed it. the most important thing is to is to do it and and to get something out there that's really that's really what i was going for
2: i readily admit that i get very very cranky if i don't have the episode released so i <laughs> got i got to, I got yeah. to we- thursday last week and i was just cranky
4: yeah
1: all right uh I think that about does it, everybody, unless we have that sounded like everybody's fine once podcast. again,
4: we have solved all the problems of podcasting. yes
1: we have fixed podcasting in just a short fifty six minutes so rounding it out matt' we'll, uh, we'll, it. we'll we'll
2: release, release the next episode when we feel like it whatever
4: yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who's gonna more- uh <laughs> who's gonna be the one to to put this up on those gaming apps? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. i got some friends at iheart that i
5: think are still
4: my friends i'll call oh, them that's a great idea oh my god
1: matt where can people find you online what should people check out online that you're doing right now
2: soundoff.network we have a whole bunch of podcasts up there we create podcasts for businesses entrepreneurs personalities and for you
4: mm-hmm.
2: Catherine o'brien
4: Catherine O'Brien, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at hello Catherine O. I'd love to see you over there. My company is Branch Out Programs, and I just want to use this plug to say the fifth season of Smidgen, the cooking podcast that I work on, launches season five next Thursday, on a consistent day every Thursday. So you'll enjoy that, um, and I'm really excited for all the the shows that are going to be coming out there.
5: Jag. John Gay, Jag in Detroit podcast. Our unofficial slogan is nobody knows your story better than you. We help you tell it. Jagindetroit.com or anything on social, Jag in Detroit.
1: Filthy slogan.
5: David.
3: (laughs) Filthier than in Pod We Trust, which is the slogan of Pod617.com. The Boston Podcast Network would love to help you become the next big podcast star. And since Catherine plugged her pod, I'll plug mine, the music one I can't stop talking about. Uh, top, <laughs> past tens, a top 10 time machine. We go back in time and look at the Billboard top 10 hits. You can find the pod at
1: timemachinepod.com. And I'm Johnny Podcast. Go check out my podcast, Pod Logic. Two words Pod Logic. It's me. Sometimes I do interviews, but the goal of the show is to help you become a better podcaster, whether you're a host, whether you're a producer, whether you're working in podcasting in general. We have been the Podcast Super Friends.
0: Thanks for listening to the Podcast Super Friends. For a transcript of the show or to connect with the Super Friends, go to the show notes of this episode or go to soundoff.network.
6: Do